Welcome into another episode of the In the Pen Podcast, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network. I, of course, am Callan Elslinger, and warming up the bullpen, as always, is my co-host, Pitchless Bullpen Expert, Rick Graham. Rick, how you doing? I'm doing well over here. It's been a pretty good week for the Red Sox in general, so that's something to look forward to over here, you know, in Boston. Um, but yeah, pretty good. And, you know, we decided that Rick talking about the Red Sox was just too much. Nick actually reached out to me and personally and said, hey, listen, there's too much Red Soxness on this show. So you guys need an extra host for this week. So we actually have brought in the crafty lefty. Eric Dadman is also warming with the pen. He is one of the writers here at Pitchless, part of the reliever team. Eric, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Watching the Nationals get blown out again by the Dodgers. So <laughs> having, having a whole lot of fun here in D.C. <laughs> And I, of course, am currently watching the Yankees come back and actually not blow a lead, well, blow a lead, then keep the game close against Baltimore. So if the Yankees walk it off, you may hear me go, go nuts here on this show. So <laughs> keep tuned in for that. But Eric, before we move forward, let people know how you can be reached on Twitter, any work, anything you're working on for Pitchless and uh, plug some of the work. Yeah, so I'm at Eric Dadman, so E-R-I-C-D-A-D-M-U-N. Um, I'm on uh, the reliever ranks every Monday and then an occasional day here and there and an occasional uh, other article. But every Monday you can see me on reliever ranks, hear, uh, hear what I have to say about general bullpen usage and who's up, who's down. Yeah, and we plug that article pretty much weekly on the show. If you're looking for the day-to-day, how bullpens are looking, I know we come out once a week, Rick drops his ranks once a week, but if you're looking for the daily news for relievers and how things are look on a daily basis check out that article it's a great insight when you try and get advantage in these safe and holds leagues but we'll start the show off like we always do but taking a look at rick's ranks rick who are a couple guys who have been rising from you this past week so one of my biggest risers this week was uh danny jimenez i think i maybe it's a little bit too late I'm pushing him up a little, pushing him up a few spots because I was kind of waiting to see how you know it was going to give Lou Trevino a little bit of time there to see if he was able to work himself back into the mix for saves. But it looks like this is you know Jimenez's bullpen, and this is his the closer role is his, and Trevino's not really a threat anymore. Um, so yeah, he I feel like he deserves to be to be moved up a little bit this week and going forward. Uh as and David Bednar, I feel like I've been moving him up every week and it didn't change this week. Just you know, again, like I've we've talked about how like it's just the only issue here is now that he's he has the role to himself, so the only issue now is the Pirates winning games and with Kind of, and we're going to talk about some of the situations like this week with like the Yankees, for example. You know, once you start losing some of those closers who you thought were, you know, like locked in, set and forget closers, then the guys like Bednar start, you know, creeping up the ranks. Yeah, and we'll we'll dive into some of the deeper into some of these bullpens and get into some of these guys. So we'll transition it over now to the losers and Eric. Yeah, Eric. Who's are who a couple guys who I know you don't do the ranks, but who are a couple guys who you're falling out of favor this past week? Who, if you were doing weekly ranks, would be dropping down as or last week? Well, you got a lot of guys who were probably previously in the top fifteen. I think three different guys who were previously in the top fifteen went down with injuries. Uh, Kittredge, Andrew Kittredge from Tampa Bay, or Aldis Chapman from New York, and then Josh Hader, um, not an injury, mm-hmm. but on the bereavement list. So. Uh, a lot of movement at the top there already. In terms of guys who are still healthy, um, I, I don't know. I've been out on Mark Melanson since the beginning of the year. Uh, yes, he got two saves this week, but I continue to be out on him. I don't think he's the guy. Uh, I, I see a lot of regression from last year already. So I, I continue to be out on Mark Melanson. I've been starting a campaign for the past two or three weeks to get Ian Kennedy more saves. So my, my NFBC teams that I've had in Stashing since Melanson left, had left either he was on the COVID list. Or I can't remember he was out for a few days, so he can keep getting those saves. So I'm with you. Melanson has continued to struggle, and I'm just hoping they they pull move over to this transition. But you mentioned some of these injuries, so we'll get into some of the news and notes from the past week, and we'll start with 
what may be the most severe one, and that could be, is going to be overall just Chapman. He was placed on the 15-day IL on Tuesday as we're recording this with an Achilles injury. Past week or so, we've been talking about who may fill in, and we're starting to see that. So, Rick, who's going to step in with Aroldis Chapman's um, injury? It looks like Clay, and even before the injury, I, I, I wonder if Clay Holmes was going to take over this role anyway. It just kind of started trending that way. I know we, we had talked about it like last week, especially. Um things were kind of moving towards Clay Holmes becoming a bigger factor in the ninth inning. So I think now with Chapman definitely out for a little while, it's going to be Holmes bullpen to lose. And and as long as he's, as long as he doesn't, you know, blow a couple saves here, I wonder if this change could be permanent, even if, which it would be weird to see Chapman, not in a a closer role for the Yankees. Like that would be, I can't even like picture that, but I, I feel like, it could be. It might be time there. Yeah, try being a guy who watches them yeah. kind of on a daily basis and seeing someone new come in as a save could be different. But you're right. It's been time before he went got injured. He went through a stretch of five straight games, giving up a run the longest stretch of his career. Mm-hmm. He's been off for a while, and we've been kind of leading up to this. So Clay Holmes must add if he's for some reason still out there, he's going to be the sure guy. Even though today he came in the eighth inning with Wandy Prawl to come in at ninth, it may be matchup dependent, but more will go much more likely to. Clay Holmes, but Eric, I'm going to turn over to you. Chad Green was also placed on the IL. He's going to be out for the season for Tommy John surgery. So if you're in a saves plus holds league, does any other Yankee reliever rise because of this? Do we, should we be taking a deeper look at some, some other guys in this pen? I mean, I don't know if Michael King necessarily rises. He had already really taken mm-hmm. that role from Chad Green, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, he's just now more secure in it. Um, Holmes and Mike, uh, Clay Holmes and Michael King are the clear top two. Uh, Loisica has struggled. I, I, I looked under the hood a little bit, kind of preparing for this podcast, and I think, I think he can get it back. I, I, I don't think he is cooked. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Loisica goes on a nice little run. He's still tied for the team lead in holds, right? I know he's been a, a, an anchor for the ratios, but. I think he, they need him to be up there. I'm looking at the other guys in this pen, you know, Wandy Peralta, eh, Miguel Castro. Eh. Really, I think this team is at its best when Holmes, Loiska, and King are guys who can, they can turn to in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Yeah, I would agree. And we watched, I watched the other day. He did have an outing, I believe it was against Chicago, where he started to see 2021 Jonathan Loiska again and then came right back on Monday night and Looked like 2022 giant lines ago. So it's been inconsistent, but there's been flashes. And with the, um, with the guys who are now going down for the, for the Yankees, who know how, knows how long Chapman will be out. Wise is going to have to regain the form. They're going to, he's going to be put in those situations. They're not moving him, especially with two of their back end guys going down. So he'll be still right up there, even with his struggles. But we'll move over to the next high end reliever who is out. And you mentioned that Josh Hader was placed on the bereavement list. I believe he's out for. Between three to seven days, I want to say, Eric, you we were talking about this a little pre-show. Do you have a little bit more information about how long we may be without Josh Hader? Or yeah, officially he cannot come back until Thursday, the twenty-sixth. Uh, that's the first day he is eligible to return from the bereavement list. Um, technically, he must be removed from the bereavement list by Monday, the thirtieth. However, they have other uh, options if he continues to need more time to tend to his uh, his family matter there. Um, he can move into the restricted lists. Uh, there, there, there are other options. So the maximum amount of time he can stay like on that list is Monday, but he may end up being out later than that, depending on his his, his situation. I just want to just quickly clarify: it's not the ber- it's actually not the bereavement list. It's the, it's the family emergency list, which I didn't even know existed to be honest until this week. Um, so yeah, hopefully you know. Know, thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Hopefully, something that you know goes the right way there. And but yeah, it looks like he's going to miss probably at least this week. Yeah, th- thank you for clarifying that. I was a misspoke man. Thank you for getting that. Like I said, thoughts and prayers of him and his family. Hopefully, it's something that's not too too severe, and that you know, as baseball fans, we get him out there. But hopefully, of course, family reasons that comes much more important than than this game. So. Obviously, we do play the game of fantasy baseball, so we have to ask this question. 
Rick, does any brewer reliever rise because of this? Who are you trying to, are you attacking the brewer bullpen now, now that that position's out there? Or is it kind of a, one of these committees we'll get into later in the show? I think Devin, I, so it's interesting because I was starting to get buy back into the, you know, Devin Williams having value in not, and, you know, standard 12 teamers, you know, now he's, he's been on a tear lately. Um, he seems to be back to, you know, the Devin Williams we thought of, you know, we knew from last year in 2020 when he broke out. So I think now that he's going to potentially get a couple saves this week, um, he's definitely worth, you know, especially if you're in a, you know, weekly, if you just want to add him for the week, definitely, if he's out there, definitely worth a look, but even potentially as someone to, to rely on, you know, just as a strikeouts and ratios guy going forward. Yeah, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper in that pen as to some other names in just a little bit. We want to get to the final guy who was placed on the IL this week. That's Andrew Kittredge of the Tampa Bay Rays. He was placed on the IL on on Sunday with a back issue. So he's going to miss some time. It doesn't seem like it's too severe. It might be something that keeps him out the minimum 15 days. But you know thing how things go with Tampa Bay. They're going to be right into that. Confusing. We'll get deeper in, but... Rick, do you have a, a favorite for who's going to benefit the most for the Tampa Bay pen at this time? Not, I mean, so they, they went again tonight. They went to Ryan Thompson in the ninth inning. It was a four run lead, but still they keep Kevin Cash loves Ryan Thompson. And I don't understand. I mean, I don't know. It just with the rest of the options in that bullpen, it's a little frustrating that Thompson keeps getting these, these, uh, opportunities, but. That might be Cash's favorite. I think someone like I don't, Jason, like if they want a, a typical raise, you know, closer would be like a Jason Adam. I feel like he kind of deserves a shot there. Um, or JP Fireisen, but they seem to like him a little bit earlier in games. So, yeah, it's the raise. It's going to probably be a different option every night. So, <laughs> yeah, fun. Eric, do you have a, let's take the, it's, but, uh, would that be your, your favorite way to go for Tampa, or is it a shrug your shoulders bullpen? Would be like to say, it, it's it's mostly a shrug your shoulders type thing. I spec added uh, JP Fireisen in one league just because I needed a second reliever um, for this week. Um, Brooks Raley is another guy. He's really matchup dependent mm. though. Um, Brooks Raley has three saves on the year. Uh, I'm not sure if he really takes over part of Kittredge's role. Uh, I would imagine that. Some of it's Jason Adams, some of it's Fire Ice, and um, some of it is probably the guy who they just called up, Dustin Knight. Like, we saw Dustin mm-hmm. Knight come up uh, and work two innings here. Uh, who, he probably gets a save. Um, Jalen Beeks is a guy who's performed well in low-leverage situations who could move into something higher leverage. It, it really could be anybody. Um, if I wanted to own one guy on the roster right now, it would be Brooks Raley. Um, but that's not saying much given that he'll probably continue to get maybe 30, 35% of the save opportunity. So knowing how things go off Tampa Bay, Tyler Glasnow is going to make a miraculous recovery tomorrow and he'll be out there in the, the night from here on in. So yeah, this is a, a messy situation, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on and definitely monitor that going forward. So what we wanted to do with this show, since we have the extra guests, is try and get an extra set of eyes on these confusing bullpen situations. Those that we have gone through the show kind of picking our favorites, but having to change it week after week after week. So we've got a few of those pens that we want to dive into. Before we really get into that, we're going to talk about the brave situation with Kenley Jansen. It's not one of those confusing ones, but just to calm some nerves, Rick, you highlighted in the article... But let's calm some people down on Kenley Jansen. He's gone back-to-back outings allowing a run. Is there any reason to be concerned about Kenley Jansen? No, and I haven't really – I didn't really dig into, like, a lot of Kenley Jansen's numbers and, you know, kind of what's under the hood until doing this article this week. And, yeah, he's he's fine. He's, you know, the same Kenley Jansen that he's been for – you know, he had a little blip a couple years ago where it was like, oh, is Kenley Jansen – you know, as he passes prime, but no, he's he's still, and at least a near a near elite, you know, closing option. And there's no one, you know, Will Smith's faded out of the picture there a little bit. Um, 
Matt six on the IL Kirby Yates isn't back until August and you know, he's coming back from Tommy John. So this is, you know, Jansen's going to have a pretty long uh, leash there in, in Atlanta. Yeah. We, we talk about there, no one being there. Eric, is there anyone in a saves plus holds league? If you're looking for holds, that's getting the ball to Jansen. If there were to be concerned, who would you say is the next man up or at least someone you want to have for holds and those sort of leagues in that pen? The the holds guy in that pen is AJ Minter. That's the guy who is gonna get. He's gonna end uh, the year with the if he stays healthy. He's gonna end the year leading that team in holds. He's gonna be contending for the National League lead in holds. Uh, he's he's really solid. Um, Will Smith is gonna be the guy. I have a feeling if Jansen at some point goes down, Will Smith is gonna be the guy to give the ninth to. I wouldn't be touching that. Uh, I haven't liked Will Smith's underlying metrics for a while, and he's throwing, he, he's lost velocity on his fastball yeah. this year, and it's not, uh, I wouldn't trust it, even if Jansen goes down. And like, I agree completely with Rick. There's, Jansen looks as good as he has in the past few years. Um, you know, it strike out minus walk rate of nearly 30%. He hasn't hit that since 2017. He looked really good to me right now. So I, I would be trusting him. Yeah. I'm, upset he's one of the guys that i kind of missed out on in most leagues because the whole speculation where is he gonna go i was kind of staying away from him now seeing how he's looking kind of regretting that so but you know we know how saves are and it's tough to find so we'll see how how it keeps going but like you guys i'm not very concerned about that like you said there's not many people around to take that job from him to eat into the saves so he'll be there a while they gave money to him to take this role. So he'd really have to continue underperforming to have any chance of losing that. But we'll move over to the bullpens that we talked about in the show that have this a little bit of confusion. And we'll start off in St. Louis. We thought it was kind of secure with Giovanni Gallegos. However, I believe it was Monday night. Gallegos came in and pitched the eighth and it was Ryan Helsley who came in to pitch the ninth. So, Maybe he's eating into this. We've mentioned him as a player who's must roster for and stays plus holds league. But Eric, do you have any concern about Helsley eating into Gallego's saves moving forward? Or is this just kind of a a one-time thing? Well, uh, Olivier Marmol has been talking since spring training about how he wants to be able to use Gallegos and his top relievers in any situation that's called for. Uh, He has voiced since March. The uh, like uh, he, that he does not want to have that one guy that he goes to in the ninth. Uh, however, Gallegos is going to continue to get more chances than Helsley because they're really being careful with Helsley's usage. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. trying to look and see if they've even used him back to back days yet. I don't think they have. Um, they're most of the time it's multiple days of rest in between outings, especially if he goes multiple innings, uh, more than you know three outs. So that's going to limit the amount of chances that he gets just because he's going to have a lot of days where he's just unavailable. So there's not a situation I foresee where Helsley is the one taking 60, 70% of the team's opportunities. Uh, he's going to be stuck in that 30 to 40% range just because of A, how Marmol wants to use his relievers and then B, how they are limiting his usage so far this year. Rick, do you have any different reach for that or you kind of agree with what Eric was saying that's that's kind of how I see it too I think like a good like this is going to kind of turn into a what the the Royals are doing you know with their bullpen with I feel like Barlow is the 1A and Stomont's the 1B and I feel like that might be a situation here where Gallegos is I, I you know I don't see him just completely fading out of the closer picture. He still pitched well this year, despite, you know, he's had a, a couple issues in, lately, but he's pitched well. He still deserves, you know, a high leverage role. And yeah, like Eric said, they're really being careful with, with Helsley right now. And until they kind of take, you know, take the, uh, the, the kid gloves, kid gloves off there. I, I, I don't really think that they can they, yeah they won't trust him on back-to-back days so that's gonna always you know keep Gallegos or another reliever there and in, in the in the picture for you know taking saves away from Helsley so I know I promised to keep the Red Sox talk to a minimum this episode but they are one of these confusing bullpens they have Matt Barnes is kind of 
gotten his way back into this conversation. So we'll start off with the Red Sox fan self, Rick. What's your read on how this situation is currently sitting out? Is Barnes back? Is he Matt Barnes still? Or is, what's, what's your read right there? Is Matt Barnes back? I don't think so. But as a Red Sox fan, I am just I don't want to see Hansel Robles closing out games anymore. I I know he's had a he's had an okay season, but I just there, there's it's it reminds me of you know Alex Colomay back in, like when he was closing out games where it's just every everything is just shaky. There's no you you can't just like rely on him to just shut the door. So. Barnes has looked better lately. I his fastball velocity is back to where it was last year. Um, his his breaking ball is still not exactly getting the types of you know swings and misses that we saw early last year. But at least at least the fastball velocity is coming back, and at least I would I think that's a step in the right direction. And given the state of this bullpen, I think it now might be the time for the the Red Sox to just turn to him and hope that he just puts starts putting it putting the other pieces back together and getting that breaking ball working again and you know working his fastball off that so if he's available in your leagues Eric do you think Matt Barnes becomes a a must add now in the situation or is it still a wait and see sort of thing still a wait and see uh Yes, yeah, the fastball velocity is back. I'm going to continue to monitor that. Uh, but Alex Cora really doesn't trust him. I think the last quote I saw in Alex Cora about Barnes was like, well, at a certain point, he has to get outs in the big leagues for us. So kind of implying that he really didn't feel confident that Barnes would get him outs at this level. Uh, and that was just a few days ago. I, I, I think Barnes needs to win. Uh, the confidence back of the management and that'll take a couple of weeks of good performance. So we need to be waiting to see does the velocity hold? Do those swings and misses on the knuckle curve come back? Um, and does does Cora start to feel a little more confident uh, when he puts him out there in a late inning situation? Um, I was yeah. I was just, I was shocked that I like shocked they went to him in the ninth inning on Saturday in a run run game and I was fully expecting him to collapse, but he held on. He let up a hard hit ball to get the third out. But yeah, I, I feel like Cora wants him to be the guy. It's just he can't trust him now. So it's just, yeah, it's a matter of time. And I think, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. The thing is, if, if you wait too long, uh, Garrett Whitlock isn't going to stay in the rotation all year. He doesn't have the innings in his arm to do that. He's going to be moved again. Do they move him to the back of the road of the bullpen? Same thing Mm -hmm. with Tanner Houck. Uh, Houck is the same way. Um, where if you wait too late in the year, you get to the second half, you get to July. Are they going to start moving those guys into the back of the bullpen? Is Barnes going to have enough time to build that confidence back? So that's why that's another big reason why it's still a wait and see. Like he's got a pretty narrow window to build this up. Uh, as of right now, who knows who's going to close out games? Maybe even J- John Schreiber's been doing great for him. Maybe they <laughs> yeah. throw him a bone. You know? um, but at this point, we don't know. And the longer you wait, the more dark horses start to come up. And mm-hmm. who knows Like who knows if even Chris Sale comes back late this year. I don't know. That's, it would be weird. It would be a strange strategy. But, hey, if that's where they need him, then maybe. At least now they're winning games to get you saves and get you holds for what they were lacking at the beginning of the season. And they're starting to eat their way back in the AL East, making me a little upset and the other host, Rick, pretty happy. So we'll see how this goes moving forward. But we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll jump from one red team, the Red Sox, over to Cincinnati and talk about the Cincinnati Reds, who we can never really make sense of. Maybe, maybe Eric can help with that, but we'll be right back here on the 7th Inning Stretch Podcast. And we're back here on In the Pen. I am Callan, joined as always by Rick and by Eric this week. So, Eric, we're going to jump over to you. We mentioned the Cincinnati Reds podcast, the Cincinnati Reds bullpen. This entire season, Rick and I have kind of shrugged our shoulders and been praying and hoping that Art Warren can take this job over. 
where do you sit currently on on that pen? Does he emerge? Is he the favorite now, or is Cincinnati still Cincinnati? Yeah, he he got the last save opportunity to convert it in nine pitches. Looked pretty good. Um, the the slider is still something that is escaping Warren. Um, last year he did a really good job at placing it in the bottom of the zone, and it showed in terms of swinging strike rate. It was the dominant pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, looking at the heat map, it, it's more up into the center of the zone, and it's just not fooling people anymore. The swinging strike rate is down. Um, contact on it is just way up. Uh, so that slider, that feel for that slider is something that can come back. It's hard to do midseason, but it can come back. Um, I'm not sure, though. It, it's very much up in the air. And the, the meat on the bone, right, if you do choose to go with Art Warren and kind of take that risk, how many saves are you looking at rest of the season for a team like Cincinnati who might win like 55, 60 games this year? You know, um, is the risk worth the reward? Because if he doesn't get that slider back, gosh, we're looking at maybe a reliever who has an ERA in the mid fours. And that's without many saves. And that's not fun. Rick, we talked about last week, Alexis Diaz kind of being the, the next man up. Is he still the guy you would would think would be step in? Is he the biggest competition to Warren, or is there anybody else who I know? We know it's Cincinnati. Is there anyone even more else worth mentioning out there? Yeah, I think Diaz is the only other option right now. Um, it's certainly not you know someone like Hunter Strickland or I think Tony Santilla. I, I don't think he's gonna they keep you know using him here and there and look in the role but i feel like that's not where he's gonna stick uh long term so i feel like diaz has you know closer in the making type stuff um it's just a matter of the the reds you know trusting him i know he's got his walk rates really you know it's inflated right now to 13.8 percent so that might be that's like the one like issue I really have with with Diaz and you know considering the alternatives though I feel like he would be the best option right now for that team even with I think even with Lucas Sims because I think they just need to they need to find like a a more permanent stable role for Sims when he comes back given you know he's always battling injuries I feel like they just need to use him every you know two or two or three days and in maybe a two-winning role, something like that, getting getting the ball to a closer, preferably. One one more note on Diaz. Uh, looking at, I kind of wa- I watched his save. Uh, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, and uh, he he was he was wild. Uh, he was all over the place. Uh, so the the nerves kind of got to mm-hmm. him a little bit. Um, and because of the walk rate, and he he allows a decent amount of fly balls. The generally that tells me that if he does move into the ninth, there would be some growing pains. So maybe he grows into the role, but the walks and the fly balls generally, it, it can make a tough, um, a tough pairing. So in generally like an inconsistent reliever, even if, you know, he does have really good stuff, that strikeout rate really is earned. He's got really good stuff. But if he, like I said, if he does move into the ninth, I'd expect some growing pains there. Especially in Cincinnati at that ballpark as well. Yeah. yeah. At least in this pen, we seem to have found a, a favorite, at least in this Art Warren, one of our preseason favorites. And that kind of takes us to another one of our preseason favorites, Anthony Bender out in Miami. No, he's probably not the favorite for saves out there, but he's part of the Marlins. So that could kind of transition us over to that. So. This one's been one of the more messy situations right now. Rick, we talk about it every week. What, what's your current read out in Miami? Do you have a favorite out there or who, who knows? <laughs> uh, Miami is, I think Cole Sulcer still like the best option here, but it, I, I really, it's, it's, it's tough that there hasn't been, I don't know when their last save opportunity was. It's been a while though, and no one's really, you know, no one's really taken, no one's really stepped up and, you know, taken like control over this role. And Anthony Bass was starting to trend the right way, but 
still don't love the idea. Like that doesn't really. I'm not running out to add Anthony Bass anywhere or, or anyone in this bullpen as of now. Um, you know, Tanner Scott kind of had a interesting start to the year where you, you again typical Tanner Scott form. He's striking out everyone, but that's about it. That's really all he brings to the table and you know, lets up a lot of hard contact and walks people. So I don't think that's someone that they're going to trust in the ninth inning. So yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling Cole Solcer right now. If I had to throw a dart, that's, that's the, that's, that's who I would take a shot on. Eric, do you agree? Is your dart on Cole Solcer or do you have a different view out in Miami? My, my darts on bass. Um, he, yeah, he, when he was moved into the ninth, uh, he was kind of given a chance last week and he didn't quite do so well, but he still leads the team in the strikeout minus walk percentage. Doesn't have a lot of those, uh, kind of big red flags that some of these other relievers have. And I think Mattingly is going to uh, value a veteran presence. So you talked about when was their last save opportunity? I mean, it was Sunday. It was this past Sunday. Alcantara was sitting at 103 pitches after eight <laughs> innings yeah. and they said, and all of them were rested. Bender, Bass, uh, Solcer, all working on multiple days rest. And Mattingly said, none of you, I'm going with Alcantara at 103 pitches. So I think that, you, you know, yeah, you can read it as saying, wow, he has a lot of faith in Alcantara's ace. But I think the other side of the coin is, wow, he has no faith in any of these guys right now. Um, so I, I, who knows who gets the next save opportunity? I'll look closely at that because Mattingly has stated that he wants to have one guy be the mm-hmm. guy. Um, but yeah, my, my money is just on, on bass based on strikeout minus walk percentage. That's, that's the biggest indicator of in season ERA that we have in general. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at here. Solcer's fastball is down like a tick and a half from last year and the results yeah. have not been great. Uh, Scott is, uh, yeah, the walks there. Uh, Bender has just been inconsistent. So it's, it's a dart throw. I'm not adding bass anywhere, but if he gets the next save opportunity, I might be like, okay, that, that might stick. Yeah. I'd yeah, agree I'll, with that. that that's, um, I was just like bass is a definitely someone Mattingly really trusted last year. And, you know, he, he started off in the closer role there. And then even after he struggled a little bit, Matt, Mattingly was still turning to him in the, you know, eighth, eighth inning to, to hold games for, for hold situations. So yeah, I, I feel like that basket would probably be, you know, it'd be interesting if he does get a save chance, then you got to start thinking about, you know, in leagues where saves are hard to come by, like adding him, you know, right away. Yeah. I was going to throw Tanner Scott in that conversation. Just, uh, you look at under the hoods, CSW is extremely high, K percentage is extremely high, but like Eric said, the walks may be a huge factor in that. The fact that he's a lefty, we don't see a lot of too many lefty closers. They have enough lefties in the pen where that shouldn't be an issue, but I would agree Solcer and, um, and Bass are probably the two favorites. Keep an eye on Scott. I could see him maybe eating into this and making it a, a three-headed monster that we don't really want to talk about, but um, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully they... Answer is soon, but like Eric said, they chose to throw us Daniel Contra a, a complete game rather than test out their bullpen. So that shows how much faith Mattingly really has in these guys right now. But we'll, we'll stay in the state of Florida just to try and go a little bit deeper into what we talked about, the Andrew Kittredge injury. What's just real quick, we Rick kind of highlighted at the beginning of the show, so we don't have to go too in-depth in it, but who is the guy you would want to roster the most in Tampa Bay? We'll start with you, Eric. Who's your the number one pickup for the Tampa Bay bullpen right now. Yeah, for me, the number one pickup is pretty clear. It's Brooks Raley. Uh, in terms of the high leverage guys, there were three that really stood out so far this year. It was uh, Andrew Kittredge, Brooks Raley, and Ryan Thompson. These are the guys that they have been turning to most often in high leverage situations based on uh, WPA, win probability ads. Um, Thompson has not been doing great in those situations, uh, but he still keeps going. As Rick mentioned, yeah. he still keeps sent, being sent out there. Uh, Rayleigh, on the other hand, has been doing well. Three saves, four holds on the year. Uh, I think he continues at pretty much that pace. Uh, so that's that, that plays in save hold leagues pretty well. 
I, I think he's the guy that I'd want to own. Rick, where, where's your read at this? I, I think I, I would agree with Rayleigh too because he we already saw him getting some opportunities even before Kittredge went down. He's kind of the you know de facto the de facto like late inning lefty because they're able to turn to Jalen Beeks and call him Poche earlier in the game if they need a left-handed a lefty to get you know a few lefties out. So that leaves you know Rayleigh for the the later innings and he's done a fine job in the ninth inning out. You know, I really was a big fan of Rayleigh, and I thought he was the best lefty available in free agency for relievers, and I feel still strongly about how his stuff plays, and the Rays are, you know, a great opportunity for him to kind of enter the saves mix territory. Yeah, we'll, we'll move over to, we'll keep this moving and go with a, we'll talk about a former Ray in the Seattle open. It's Diego Castillo. That kind of gets us to their pen. This committee is one we've been talking about all season. I don't think it's real clear. Um, we'll start with you, Rick. What's your readout in Seattle? Is there a favorite for saves right now? Is it just the same committee we've been talking about all season? I still like Paul Seawald, but um, and I know Diego Castillo has really had his numbers look really bad, but they're it's really it's really just been a it was really a really just bad, bad stretch from him. And, you know, lately he's been somewhat better. He had another bad outing. It's consistency with Castillo that's going to probably keep him away from the closer role for now. But they keep turning to him in the eighth inning, seventh inning. He's still getting holds. Um, You know, Andres Munoz has had, he's had a little bit of a, he's had some issues lately. I know the Red Sox uh, game the other day, he did not pitch well. Giving up the grand slam to Franchi Cordero. Um, Seawalt still he, he hasn't had the strikeout numbers like he had last year, but he's still ratio wise he's been you know he's been great. Um, they've turned to him for a couple saves over the last two weeks. I don't know if they're gonna ever you know just have someone be the closer there, but if it were to be so if it were someone, it's gonna be Seawalt. I I still think that. Eric, what's your read on Seattle? Seawald, your favorite, or do you have a is it like Miami? We have a different view. Yeah, no, I mean he's the high leverage reliever there, um, and that just means sometimes he will get used in the eighth, which means or the seventh, which means Drew Steckenrider will still somehow steal a save or two. Um, even Eric Swanson, Eric Swanson, he should be back at some mm. point this week, I believe, uh, and he was doing really well. So. Who knows? Maybe Steckenrider hasn't done great. Maybe if Steckenrider continues to um, not perform well, Swanson steps into that role and he gets the ancillary saves when they use Walt in the 7th or 8th. But then also, Munoz, despite his struggles, that slider is still just one of the better sliders in the game. It's a devastating slider when he's on with it. But he's still really young, so there's going to be times when he's on with it, times when he's off with it. Um, So, Seawald is still the guy to own there. Uh, there are a number of other people who could make themselves useful. In holds leagues, Eric Swanson probably w- may have gotten dropped, uh, and I'd take, a, I'd take a chance on him. I think he could make a name for himself with you know Diego Castillo just now getting out of the doghouse <laughs> after, his, uh, after his rough stretch, um, and Munoz really being up and down. Swanson's a guy that they can, I feel like they'll learn to trust over the next few weeks. And we just got the report this week that Ken Giles is going to be – they're hoping he's going to be able to start rehabbing soon. He'll be cleared for rehab soon. Is he someone you guys are keeping an eye on? Are you wanting to maybe stash him because of that? Or is what, what's your view? Does he even come into this mix when he comes back? Or is he going to slowly get eased back? I – I ideal. I've always loved Ken Giles as as a closer. I would love to see him, you know, just come right. It's the, the thing is, is Tommy coming back from Tommy John. It's for relievers. It's it's rare to see them, you know, at the top of their game coming right back. It's there's usually either either the velocity's down a little bit or there's some command issues from just being rusty from not, you know, not throwing for a year and a half. So I just feel like 
they're going to be careful with Giles when he comes back and probably start off in, you know, lower leverage situations. And if he pitches well, maybe he works himself into the committee with Seawald and, you know, Castillo or whoever. But I don't, for as far as like trying to take a flyer on him or roster him right now, I, I don't think it's really necessary yet. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how his rehab goes. We'll see what the numbers look like and, and whatnot. Eric, do you have any differing opinion, or are you kind of in the same boat with that? Yeah, no, we haven't seen him as himself since 2019. He was pitching with the injury in 2020, didn't mm-hmm. pitch in 2021. We haven't seen him like as himself in by the time he pitches nearly three years. Uh, he's, I'm not really paying attention to him that much, honestly. If he comes up and does great applause, great story, uh, there are so many other guys who uh, are closer. Um, yeah. yeah. The only thing I'll add in this conversation is the Mariners purposely gave him a two-year deal going for last year, knowing he was going to miss the entire 2021 season. I wonder if that that because of that contract, they're going to want to make right on that and bring him right up. And no, like we said, nobody's fully emerged out there. I've seen some good pitchers, like guys mentioned, but you know, I'm a bit more optimistic about him. I'm obviously I'm not going to add him yet. But I'm putting him on the watch list. I think if he comes up and, you know, he has a solid outing or two right off the bat, he can get right into this mix. And I think that he's worth more of a, a monitor than than you guys seem to put out there. So I'm a bit more optimistic about Ken Giles being in this mix than it seems you guys are. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a committee. So either way, he's not going to run away at the job. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess it's also he's actually – kind of his rehab from Tommy John has already he's rehabbing from a finger injury now so a little bit different of an injury so maybe you know maybe he is it's different from him just coming fresh off of you know Tommy John yeah the final bullpen we want to take a look into is the Minnesota Twins you know if you've listened to the show long enough that we can't go a show without mentioning John Duran and Rick has been itching his pants I can see him waiting to want to talk about Duran so we're gonna wait your turn Rick we'll start with Eric Eric, you should know by now, Rick's been loving John Duran all season, been trying to get him up there. He even said he had top 10 stuff and could be in his top 10 as ranking at some point if he ran away with the job. Obviously, he hasn't. So what's your read out in Minnesota? Is he still the reliever you want for Twins? Or has Pagan really made this another 50-50 split that's tough to tough to read? Looks, looks pretty 50-50 to me. Uh, Duran just picked up the save tonight, actually. He just closed it out against the Tigers. Um, so he's got his fourth, his second in three days. Uh, I think when he is available, he is the closer. Um, which is a little different even from Helsley. Like Helsley, when he's available, he's the HLR. He's the high leverage reliever. And then Gallegos fits in around that uh, with Duran, when he's available, I think he's working the ninth and potentially the eighth and ninth. Yeah. And the other thing that makes Duran a little bit more intriguing than Helsley even is they've thrown Duran on back-to-back days last week. And now he's gone this week fourth time in eight days. So the workload is starting to inch up a little bit for him, which is going to allow him to take a higher share. They're still going to ease off of back-to-backs too much and certainly not like two, you know, three in a row, three and four, they're not going to do that to him. So Pagan will still get a few saves. He'll still get 40 to 50% even. But Duran is going to be the guy when he's available, and you're going to like the innings you get from him regardless. So roster him. Yeah, if you can listen close enough, you can hear Rick slowly moving Duran up his rankings with the sound of two saves in four days. So. Don't be shocked if we see Duran in the top 10 by week's end. But Rick, I'll let you gush on him before we get to what we watch for. Is he still – Will he, he keeps in this. Will you rise him back up? What's your current read right now out there? Yeah, I, I everything Eric said, I just would echo that. And Pagan's pitched well, surprisingly. I thought Pagan was going to – I just didn't really have a ton of faith in him sticking around and – giving him much competition but he's pitched well you know, the, the new splitter seems to be working for him so um but yeah it's it's as long as 
Duran is available for that for for that day's game. If a save situation arises, it looks like it's going to be his. So that's really something to get excited about, and you know, hopefully, hopefully that that stays. And yeah, like him being work, used on back to back days is also a nice development as well. Yeah, the Twins need Pagan to pitch well enough after seeing what Taylor Rogers has been doing for the Padres this year. Yeah. Boy, has he been impressive, especially with Chris Paddock now going on out for the season with Tommy John. They really need to make something out of that save of how lights out Rogers has been this season. But yeah. We're going to wrap up the show like we always do with some of the stuff we are, are watching out for this week. We'll start with you, Rick. What are one or two things you're keeping an eye on? It can be some of the stuff we talked about in this show or just anything else in bullpens throughout the league. What are you trying to keep an eye on when trying to get advantage in saves and holds this week? Um, I, I'll stick with a couple things that are I, I feel that kind of go there's similar situations and that's in St. Louis with I was just interested to see how this plays out a little bit more. The Gallegos Helsley um, tandem. I really, I love Giovanni Gallegos. I want him to stick in the role, but I under like. I think there's a chance that we could get both of these guys to have you know mixed league standard twelve teamer you know value for the rest of the year. If depending on how the, how well the cards play, obviously, but. Um, yeah, just interesting to see how how Helsley's used the rest of the week, um, and then you know Kansas City we didn't get re- really to touch on with Barlow and Stamont kind of went back and forth again this week, and it's still I don't know if we're gonna ever find out any sort of get or get any sort of clarity here, but you know both Stamont and Barlow didn't pitch that well, but Barlow was being was getting you know. Seventh inning, eighth inning work, where Stalman at least had a save opportunity. I believe that he ended up blowing this week. Um, so yeah, just if something, maybe something changes there. But again, that's another situation that's a bit of a headache for now. Yeah, Eric, we didn't get too much into that Kansas City. Before we give you give your watch, what to watch for, do you have a favorite for saves in Kansas City, or what's your read on that situation? I, I think it stays 50-50 pretty much all year. Barlow is not himself. His velo's down. Yeah. He's not He's not the dominant guy he was last year, but Stallman still has these walks that pop up in really inopportune moments, and I feel like they're just going to keep complimenting each other. Like One goes ahead, like one starts to sprint out ahead, but then their fatal flaw pulls them back in, and I, I think they're going to be just flawed enough to keep each other in the row in the role and like each end up with about the same amount of saves assuming they both stay healthy. So much fun. Uh, Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun for us. But Eric, what are you keeping an eye on this week? What's the situation either we talk about or something else uh, throughout the league that you're looking out for this coming week? Definitely looking at how Matt Barnes has used the next couple of outings. Uh, 95 is the, the magic number that I'm looking for on the fastball that will set up that knuckle curve for success. Um, so looking specifically at the inning and then the fastball velocity. And also, like, is he getting swings and miss on that, on that uh, knuckle curve? Um, and then other than that, um, there was something else. Uh, the In Miami, like, who gets the next save chance there? Uh, because conceivably over the next week, maybe two, there's going to be another situation where there's a save opportunity and Mattingly can't just leave Pablo Lopez out to throw 130 pitches and <laughs> complete the game. Right? Conceivably that won't happen. Uh, so who does he turn to? He's going to ha- he's kind of biding his time. They haven't had a high leverage situation. I'm looking at roster resource here, not even a hold distributed yeah. in the last seven days. So like they've not had a high leverage situation recently. Where does he go? Because uh, maybe maybe it's something valuable. That could turn into something valuable. It's a low-scoring team in general. There could be some save opportunities there if one person steps up as Mattingly wants them to. Yeah, not having a hold or save opportunity in a week makes a lot of fun for a podcast that tries to talk about, hey, who's getting saves and holds opportunities throughout the league. So. That's a lot of fun for us, although I know a couple people on our staff who wouldn't mind if Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez get pushed 130 pitches and we don't have to talk too much about Anthony Bender mm. or Bass or Cole Solcer anymore. So, but we'll see. I mean, that's definitely one worth monitoring. I do agree with you, Eric. But this 
Penn has something there. If you can get, I know you said, we said it before, Mattingly wants to get one guy. If we can get someone to emerge out there, there is some value because we, I think up there is some great, we, we like the Marlins. We like what they're doing and they'll be competitive. They might not go for the playoffs, but they'll be in enough close games where those saves will matter compared to some of the other ugly situations we talk about where, yeah, there might be someone comes out of it, but it's in Cincinnati where saves are going to be few and far between. But I'm going to take a look at for this week at Arizona, like I've kind of been doing for the past few weeks. Can Ian Kennedy emerge? You talked about at the beginning of the show that you're really down on Mark Melanson. I'm going to keep trying to speak this into existence until it actually happens that Ian Kennedy can get me a few more saves before I end up having to drop him. So I haven't been starting him, but I'm waiting to throw him back out there. So I want to see what goes on in Arizona and take a look at that. And then the same things you guys, and we'll, I'll want us to look out in Tampa Bay too, who comes out of that pen. We mentioned there's a bunch of names and a bunch of, bunch of guys out there. It may be the ugliest committee of all, because you can probably turn to seven or eight different guys to get a save. But is there anybody who possibly merged out of Tampa Bay? And then if they, there is, do they eat in the things when Kittred comes back? We talk about being a short stint on the IL. Maybe someone jumps into that and, you know, Kitcher's kind of becoming a little bit more clear. Maybe it becomes a little uglier. So I definitely want to keep a close eye on Tampa Bay over this next week. But that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. Eric, thank you again for coming on the show. Please, like at the beginning of the show, plug all your work. Give, let us know where to follow you on Twitter. And, um, yeah, Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me. You can follow me at, at Eric Dadman. Uh, you can look out for my reliever ranks work every Monday. Um, and then occasional other articles as I feel like it. <laughs> that's the best way to go about it. Give, give one article a week and then, eh, I want to feel about it. I'll write something up. That's kind of how I've been. And then uh, I do the nastiest pitches, but with certain things going on in my personal life, I haven't been able to commit as much time with it. Um, but I'll be back soon enough with doing that once I end up taking the bar exam. So we'll see how that goes. But um, thank you for tuning in to In the Pen. Rick, well, I'll let you get, plug yourself. You know you're a Red Sox fan. Rick, where can they find you on Twitter and your work? Yeah, it's uh, I'm at I am Rick Graham on Twitter, and yeah, just keep plugging away um, the ranks every week, so you can find those at Pitcher List. And I want to thank Eric again for being on the show as well. And you know he does a great work. He does a great job with the reliever ranks. Um, articles we put out every day so again we have we, we can't finish a show without plugging that again so it's, it's a must read for any if you have any reliever questions or just anything if you play fantasy baseball or just interested in finding out more about bullpens in general it's definitely a must read every morning yes absolutely be tuned be sure to tune into that hit anyone up, up on twitter with regards to these questions you can find me at calendar score elsliger at in the pen pod is our show Twitter. And I'll plug what I always tend to pod. Go on to pitchlist.com, join the PL Plus Discord. We're all in there talking fantasy baseball throughout the week. Things outside of baseball, if you really don't want to talk baseball for a second. And then there's always the constant communication the relievers chat, which is what we tend to be in there more often since that's what we kind of do on this site. We're always talking about who's coming in for these saves, just keeping your eye on. You can ask us questions, hit us up at any time. You have access to everybody on the staff. If you think there's someone better out there than the three of us. But Eric, thanks again for being our first guest. We're going to continue to try and get some more guests on from the reliever side of things to get them some new voices in. So you may be getting tired of hearing my voice drone on and on and on each and every single week. But thank you again for tuning in to In the Pen, and we will see you next week.